What's going on, family? Happy Monday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I hope you guys are doing well. What a weekend, right? Like, really, what a weekend. And have no fear, we've got your full Royal Rumble recap coming up on today's show. As always, a big thank you to everybody who follows us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Faction Show. Also, for all of you who follow us and are subscribed to our podcast and all the places you can get it, thank you so very much. If you're brand new or if it's your first time rocking with us, thank you for joining us here on The Faction. We love having fun and intelligent conversation about the world of pro wrestling, and I hope that you'll find it to be enjoyable. So with that said, yeah, I want to just dig right in. If you've not watched the Rumble yet and you don't want spoilers, I would definitely suggest that you press pause on this podcast. Go ahead and finish watching the Rumble and then come back to it because then a lot of what will happen will make sense. So this year, the Royal Rumble took place in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. Now, there's a few things that are very special about this. For one, it's the fourth time that the city of San Antonio has hosted the Royal Rumble more than any other city on earth. So there's that. And then it's the third time that the Royal Rumble has been at the Alamo Dome, which is significant in and of itself. The first time, of course, was 1997. When Stone Cold Steve Austin won his first of three Royal Rumble matches, when Shawn Michaels also regained the WWE Championship at that event. The last time that the Royal Rumble was at the Alamo Dome, yours truly, along with my good brothers Brandon Clack, Courtney Beard, and Brandon's son Noah were all in attendance at that at that Royal Rumble, which was bananas. It saw AJ Styles lose the WWE Championship to John Cena, where Cena would then tie Ric Flair's historic world title reigns at 16 times. John Cena has not won a world championship since then. That was 2017, so that's just interesting to consider. And on top of that, it was just an incredible rumble. It was also the last Royal Rumble that would not have a women's Royal Rumble match. As in the following year, in 2018, the Royal Rumble would now contain an all-women's match. Certainly long overdue, really exciting times. If you'll allow me, I think we need to get into a little bit of history, which is why Royal Rumble 2023 is so significant. So some may not remember, but the Royal Rumble itself began in 1988. The first year of the Royal Rumble, it was not, I repeat, not a pay-per-view. It was not a standalone pay-per-view. It was actually a separate special WWE event. It was aired on the USA Network, which back in 1988, there was not a lot of what we see now. Think about this. It was five years before the debut of Monday Night Raw. And so that has certainly changed the landscape of pro wrestling. In the WWE, their longstanding relationship with USA was with a show called Primetime Wrestling. That would actually come on on Monday nights for two hours, hence the Monday night time slot that USA has. 
probably didn't know that. On top of that, this special was really very, very unique. It took place in Canada. It featured Dino Bravo, wink, wink, grabbing the weightlifting record of 715 pounds. And I say wink, wink, because he had some assistance from Jesse the Body Ventura. And this particular Royal Rumble did not have anything on the line. It was just kind of a test concept to see if it would work. Hacksaw Jim Duggan would win the first Royal Rumble back in 1988. And that was the first and only Royal Rumble that had 20 participants. It would move to 30 participants in 1989 when it became its own standalone pay-per-view event. Now, when it became its own standalone pay-per-view event, it's also interesting to note that still there was nothing on the line in that Royal Rumble title match in 1989, in 1990, or in 1991. Now, it was the 1992 Royal Rumble where everything changed. The 1992 Royal Rumble was the first time where the Royal Rumble match actually had something of significance up for grabs other than saying you were a Royal Rumble winner. So we're going back in history. I hope you guys don't mind this history lesson because I do realize that there are some fans who were not alive, did not know, and always thought that the Royal Rumble was the way that it is. Not the case. In 1992, this was the first year that the Royal Rumble actually had something of significance on the line. And what was on the line was the then vacated WWE Championship. So why was the WWE title vacated? Well, we have to go back to 1991 Survivor Series. It was The Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan. Then getting involved was Ric Flair with a steel chair, causing The Undertaker to win the championship. Then there'd be this Tuesday in Texas where Hogan and Taker would battle again. Hogan would seemingly win the title, but then he'd be stripped because of controversial situations. So the WWE title was vacated and the new champion would be the winner of the 1992 Royal Rumble match. That match saw Ric Flair win the WWE championship by winning the Royal Rumble and for many years, Ric Flair held the record for the longest amount of time in the Royal Rumble, coming in at number three and then lasting all the way to the end. I should also mention that during that time of the Royal Rumble and really for many years, the participants would enter every two minutes. That's significant because that would later change to every 90 seconds, which would make for a faster Royal Rumble, which also then means if you stuck out in the Royal Rumble for a long period of time, it was really very significant. So Flair had the record for an hour and change. That would be broken by Rey Mysterio. When Mysterio broke the record, it was still every two minutes, but that record would be challenged by this Royal Rumble in 2023. Last piece of history before we actually dig into this Royal Rumble is that the Royal Rumble match in 1993 was the first time where the main event spot at WrestleMania was put on the line. This was the match where you could actually guarantee that you would main event WrestleMania. That Royal Rumble would be won by Yokozuna. 
who would then go on to win the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 9 in Las Vegas. And of course, we know how that ended because Hulk Hogan would come five minutes later, challenge Yokozuna, win the title, and it led to the first time that the WWE title was on the line twice at a WrestleMania. The two-time match would happen again in 1994, but again, very different circumstances. And so, understanding all of this brings us to the backdrop of this year's Royal Rumble, which, mind you, was the first premium live event from the main roster since the Survivor Series. It has been many, many years since there's been a two-month layoff between pay-per-views, excuse me, premium live events, and I'll be the first to say that I like it. The fewer pay-per-views, the better. And the reason why I say that is it gives us an opportunity to be far more invested in what's happening on Raw and SmackDown. It now means storylines have to move. We have time for things to breathe so that we can be invested in these premium live events. With that said, now let's dig into the Royal Rumble. I laid all of that backdrop for an important reason, because records would be broken at this Royal Rumble and things would happen that we've not seen before. So let's run through the results of the 2023 Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble actually kicked off for the very first time with the men's Royal Rumble match. That is usually a match that will either main event the pay-per-view at the end or be next to the main event of the pay-per-view. The Royal Rumble would be won by Cody Rhodes, who came in at number 30. Then in the Mountain Dew pitch black match, Bray Wyatt defeated LA Knight. Bianca Belair defeated Alexa Bliss to retain the Raw Women's Championship. Rhea Ripley would win the Women's Royal Rumble match. And she came in at number one. We'll talk about that level of history in a little bit. And then Roman Reigns defeated Kevin Owens in an absolutely scintillating WWE Universal Championship match. And then the world is talking about what happened after that match. And we'll have that conversation as well. So a lot happened at this Royal Rumble. And we're going to dig in 10 toes deep when we come back. This is the Stroke Daddy Ricky Starks, and you know I only do it one way, and that's big. You're not listening to The Faction. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How do we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if 
You don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people. I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. A few minutes later, it was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win, there is a you, there will always be the S-H-W. This is a total package Lex Luger and you are turned into the faction. All right, now it's time to analyze the 2023 Royal Rumble. Let's start with the men's Royal Rumble match. Now, normally we do a prediction show. We did not get to do the prediction show, but we do have a couple of reels out there sharing our predictions for the 2023 Royal Rumble. And what I chose to do in that was to give kind of an idea of who the front runner is and then create some cases for some other people to potentially win the Royal Rumble matches. Let's start there with Cody Rhodes winning the men's Royal Rumble match. This move made a lot of sense. I think we all saw this potentially happening once he got injured after Hell in a Cell. It seemed as though Cody would be the front runner to be that guy to head to the main event of WrestleMania. Now, we're still unsure whether or not that means he will take on Roman Reigns because we're not sure if Roman Reigns will actually be the WWE Universal Champion by the time we get to WrestleMania. We'll explain that in a little bit. But I enjoyed this Royal Rumble match. In fact, this entire premium live event Really had a lot to live up to, particularly after what happened at last year's Royal Rumble matches and pay-per-view that really, really caused a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. If you'll remember, some of the things that happened at that was Bobby Lashley did defeat Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship, but it involved interference from the Universal Champion Roman Reigns and the big turn as Paul Heyman would turn on Brock Lesnar and side with Roman Reigns. So it seemed as though Bobby Lashley's win was kind of an afterthought compared to the ongoing battle with Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, and Paul Heyman. Then you had the Women's Royal Rumble match, which saw the number 29 or 30 entrant as a surprise return from Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey would end up winning. That didn't feel good to a lot of people. Then in the Men's Royal Rumble, there were no surprises. There wasn't really anything spectacular that happened. And then the number 30 entrant would be the now former WWE champion, Brock Lesnar, who, of course, when Brock Lesnar shows up, Brock Lesnar wins the Royal Rumble. 
That's what happened. So many of us tried to forget that that Royal Rumble even happened. Couple that with, we've got new creative compared to this time last year. This is Triple H's first Royal Rumble as the head of creative. So lots of ideas here, lots of pressure you could argue. And given the environment WWE has been in, in terms of this looming sale, can WWE keep people focused on the in-ring product while whatever happens outside of the ring? Well, clearly this entire premium live event answered that question with a resounding yes. So taking a look at the men's Royal Rumble, did Cody Rhodes make sense winning? Absolutely he did. But here's what I also loved about this Royal Rumble. Now granted, I would have changed Cody Rhodes' entrance since we knew he was coming in. If we did not know he was coming in and they kept that as a surprise, which I was hoping they would do, then him coming in at number 30 makes sense. Takes us back to the 2008 Royal Rumble where John Cena enters at number 30 as a surprise, wins the whole thing. So now that we know that Cody is entering, we're really watching this, trying to figure out when he's going to enter. I would have put Cody in at a different number, maybe something between 25 and 30, except for 30, since we knew he was coming in. So there were surprises, just a few of them, but they were sprinkled in well. Uh, certainly, Logan Paul was a surprise to me. I'd kind of forgotten about Logan Paul after what happened at crown jewel where he was supposed to be out for a lot longer than he has been out so there's that then on top of that you had booker t coming back as a legend which you did not have a lot of legends coming back in either royal rumble match which i think speaks to the strength of the current roster in wwe Surprisingly to me, on the men's side, there were no NXT entrants. And normally there has been over time. That's kind of surprising. I know some people were looking forward to seeing Carmelo Hayes do his thing and pop in, maybe even Braun Breaker. But I also understand why they did not do that on the men's side. Again, it speaks to the health and the strength of the men's roster. And then there were some people that were not in there. Now, AJ Styles, of course, is out on injury. But we haven't seen Shinsuke Nakamura, quite frankly, since his match with the great Muda at the top of 2023. I'm surprised that he wasn't in there as a former Royal Rumble winner. Others have mentioned Madcap Moss, who was scheduled to be in there and was not. Rey Mysterio was scheduled to be there, but was not. We do hear that somehow he got injured Friday night on SmackDown, which is why he was not in this Rumble. With that said, I feel like this Royal Rumble did exactly what it was supposed to do and exceeded expectations because not only did it give us Cody Rhodes as the triumphant winner, but it also moved storylines and it built stars. Here's what I mean. So it moved storylines in terms of Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. When Brock Lesnar announced Friday night that he would be in the Royal Rumble, I immediately got nervous because Brock Lesnar has not met a Royal Rumble. He hasn't won except for 2020. So would Brock Lesnar end up becoming now the shoe-in and the odds-on favorite? Well, part of me also held out hope because of all of the attacks that he had on Bobby Lashley. So I was pleasantly surprised to see Bobby Lashley come in immediately after Brock Lesnar and eliminate Brock Lesnar, giving Lesnar his shortest Royal Rumble appearance in history. 
only three minutes. That is massive. And I think, again, it speaks to where the new hand of creative is. Plus, it moves this Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley thing to what I believe will be an epic WrestleMania conclusion. Now, I thought it was also interesting that Seth Rollins would eliminate Bobby Lashley. I was surprised that Lashley would not end up, say, in the final four. Speaking of storylines moving forward, we had first Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. Dominic coming out with Rey's mask, certainly insinuating that Dominic prevented Rey Mysterio from being able to enter into the Royal Rumble, which is a big deal. That can lead to a potential Ray versus Dominic match at WrestleMania, which again harkens me back to say WrestleMania 14 or 15, where Undertaker vowed to never fight Kane, but he ended up fighting Kane. So I think, I think already we have at least two WrestleMania matches locked in based on the Royal Rumble match alone on the men's side. One other thing that may show up at WrestleMania was kind of teased during the Royal Rumble as Edge made his return to the Royal Rumble to take on the Judgment Day. And again, toward the end of that, we would see Edge and his wife, Beth Phoenix, really put in some work on Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio. So I don't think that story is over as of yet. And we'll see where that happens. We've got, obviously, the elimination chamber between now and them to be able to work out that particular issue. But perhaps the biggest thing we're talking about coming out of the men's Royal Rumble match outside of Cody winning is the rise of the star of Gunther. The artist formerly known as Walter has always been an incredible figure. What he did certainly in Europe and the UK was absolutely profound his matches as NXT UK champion were incredible he spent over 800 days as the NXT UK champion but what's crazy is even things in NXT seemingly are not viewed or remembered by most WWE fans so could he go an hour absolutely he could he had some classic matches that went 40 50 minutes with Pete Dunne with Tyler Bate with so many others and so we knew he could go the distance I personally was surprised because I'd forgotten about Gunther being in the Royal Rumble so when he came out at number one I thought well this will be interesting I'm not sure who's going to eliminate him but as he continued to get stronger during the match you really started to wonder could Gunther win this thing? And so even in him not winning, I think his star dramatically rose in the men's Royal Rumble match, which I just thought brilliant work by him, brilliant work by the team and having him be the one to be the last man standing with Cody Rhodes with several moments looking like Gunther could actually win this. It was amazing. It was incredible. So job well done to the men's Royal Rumble match. Now we get to the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match, which was the first match back for Bray Wyatt on television and on pay-per-view in nearly two years. Many of us may have forgotten that the last time we saw Bray Wyatt in a WWE ring 
really was a couple of years ago at WrestleMania, where The Fiend ended up getting defeated by Randy Orton, and that was really the last we saw of Bray Wyatt in a wrestling ring. What would the pitch black match actually be? I thought it was very creative. The fact that when the lights went out, things went neon was pretty exciting. It allowed people to see really well, and it gave us some really cool moments. Now, let me just say this. I think people forget that we don't know the Bray Wyatt character for amazing in-ring content. He is a supernatural kind of guy. He is going to do some things that are really going to play more psychology with your mind. I still say the greatest Bray Wyatt match was that Firefly Funhouse match that happened at WrestleMania 2020 between him and John Cena and it was totally mind warping like that's his lane so I initially thought we might see a cinematic match but it was a live situation I thought it was cool I thought it worked out I loved the makeup for Bray Wyatt I I just loved all of those things and again here was a case where storyline meant more than in-ring competition the in-ring match you could take it or leave it but it was the things that happened during the match the things that happened after the match the presence of uncle howdy jumping off of the top of the stage very very high now a lot of people are like oh he missed so on and so forth a i don't know how precise one can be from that high i've never tried right and you're trying very carefully not to totally land on the person because gravity alone will create major issues so you're trying to be safe don't know either way the visual of the rest of the firefly funhouse standing atop was great everything went on fire like this is bray wyatt and the evolution of him is something i can rock with bianca belair defeating alexa bliss so i'm going to say this a, I think this match served its purpose. We did not, or at least I hope you didn't expect to see an absolute classic between Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss. I think their previous match showed us that we weren't going to get that. And this is a case where you have two really solid wrestlers. Well, Bianca's more than solid. Bianca's amazing. I don't know that they just dance well together. I'm just not sure of that. With all of that said, I think the purpose of this match was twofold. One, to have Bianca Belair at the Royal Rumble in a match defending the Raw Women's Championship. B, I feel like it was also designed to move things ahead with Alexa Bliss and her connection to Uncle Howdy and Bray Wyatt, which that happened at the end of the match. And to me, where it makes sense is Alexa Bliss trying to fight the control of Uncle Howdy, saying she's not in control, et cetera, et cetera, and then realizing, well, not being in control potentially cost me the Raw Women's Championship. That makes sense. All right, guys, we're going to do something that we don't normally do. This episode is so loaded that we're going to make it a two-part episode. So you've already heard our analysis of the first half of the Royal Rumble. Tune in because the second half is coming up in our next episode. You do not want to miss that as we break down the women's Royal Rumble match and the main event, which saw Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens and all of the fallout. Until next time, family, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray, this is Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. <laughs>